insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit, he is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I am great, Scott. How are you? Best I've ever been. Bradley, I got a story to tell. Uh-oh. I got to turn my hat around backwards for this. Guys, since Thursday of last week, my son has been playing in a seven-day perfect game baseball tournament in Atlanta, Georgia. Bradley, let me tell you about this. I need everybody to listen and I need everybody to take notes. First thing I'll say, you need to go to audible and you need to download the book by Malcolm Gladwell called outliers. Fantastic book. will hold your attention the whole way through. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this book, guys. It talks about all of these people, Bill Gates, uh, Steve jobs, in different industries, different sports. The purpose of the book is a lot of people think that these people were just scary smart and they succeeded on just their raw talent and success. And that is not the case. So I'll give you an example. Bill Gates, at 13 years old, he gets the key to the room at, I believe it was the University of Washington or Washington State. There were three supercomputers in the world, in the world. Most PhD professors in computer science did not have access to a supercomputer. At 13 years old, 13 years old, he has the key to the room. And at any point in time, he can walk in and work on one of three supercomputers in the world at 13 years old. Okay, that's an example. Here's another example. I call it the Jethro Bodine effect. If anybody's ever watched the Beverly Hillbillies, Jethro Bodine always bigger than everybody on the show. That's what perfect game and you triple S a baseball is like it's the Jethro Bodine effect. So in the book, here's what he talks about. So the NHL, the chances of you getting to the NHL and hockey, if you were not born in the month of January or February in Canada are next to zero because of the way the little league stuff is set up, it's almost impossible to get into it. And I'll explain why in a second. Same with Major League Baseball in the United States of America. If you want your kid to go to the Major Leagues in baseball, their chances go up exponentially if they have a July birthday. Now, what I'm telling all of you is this. If you want to be a travel ball parent and you want your kid to play professional sports, you are going to have to back into when you need to have sex with your wife and conceive this baby because it has to be around a certain time frame. Pretty good at logistics. So in 2005, in Major League Baseball, there were 505 players that were born in the month of August. That is not a coincidence. Here's another one for all you technology guys out there. We'll throw three names out at you. Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. Bill Joy, most people haven't heard of Bill Joy. His algorithms, his uh, development of 
computer programming is what all of the internet sits on. They were all born within six months of each other. They all had perfect timing. Bill Gates will admit this. I was born at the exact moment that I had to be born. And then when I got up into that 21-year-old range, it was the perfect time not to mention the fact I had access to one of only three supercomputers in the world for about seven or eight years that nobody else had access to, to become the person he became. There's a lot more to this story than just, oh, he's so smart and he came up with Microsoft. Same with Steve Jobs, same with Bill Joy. They were just all born at the perfect moment and then they had some things fall into place for them that allowed them to have the success that they had. Here's what happens. At Perfect Game in Atlanta, Georgia, here was the tournament's age requirements for the tournament. You had to be a 2025 graduate to play in the Perfect Game tournament. Teams from all over the world there, all over the world. You had to be, you had to be a 2025 graduate. That seems pretty simple, right? You ask any educator, okay, what are, what are kind of the date ranges of somebody that would be a 2025 graduate? Well, I'll tell you my son's 15 and he's going into 10th grade. There's a date range there. My son was born January the 30th, 2007. Well, what happens to the 30 to 40% of kids whose parents held them back in either kindergarten or sixth grade for athletics? They're a year older than my kid, right? Here's what else they did. Or they're big capital letters. Or you had to be born after May the 1st, 2006. That's almost a year older than my kid. So you get to the tournament, and we play two or three teams from California, South Carolina, Dallas, Texas. They roll out kids, Bradley, way bigger than you are. Driving to the game, that kind of shit. Playing against a young 15U team. Parents, I'm telling you, two options you've got. Make sure if you want your kid to be a professional athlete, back into when you need to have sex with your wife so that your kid gets born at the very perfect time or Jethro Bodine effect, hold them back, which probably 30 to 50% of the kids there got held back by their parents in either kindergarten or sixth grade. That way, the whole way through, they're a year older than everybody else. And that carries on from the very first day they play the sport that you want them to go pro in all the way up till they're 18 years old. They're always older. They're always bigger. They're always stronger. They're always making the all-star team. They're always playing the position they want. They always get picked first. If you want to do that, guys, that's what you got to do. Anyway, I'm done. I'm done. I'll read the book, Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers. I went to a high school. There was literally 22 people in my graduating class. There were, and that's not common in Alabama for those of you thinking, man, Alabama must be backwoods. And then uh, there was 200, like 250 in the entire school, K4 to 12th grade, not just high school. And so there was a kid that was held back and the amount of ridicule that he got in, in my memory far outweighed the athletic advantages that he got for doing, you know what I mean? It'd have been different. I think if it was a huge school and not everybody knows everybody, you know what I mean? Well, that's why um, that's why you hold them back in kindergarten because exactly. nobody nobody ever really knows, or if they do know, they've been with that group yes. all the way through. Right? This was like ninth grade too, and he was also a really oh, yeah. smart student, probably 
could have been valedictorian. I, actually, he was valedictorian of our class. Either valed, valedictorian or salutatorian, one of the two. And so being that he was really smart, it wasn't like I think if he had not been smart and there was a chance he could have gotten held back for academic reasons, nobody would have made fun of him because you Correct. don't want to, you know what I mean? Second reason to hold your kid back besides the fact he's going to rush for 2,000 yards his senior year in football. <laughs> O.J. Simpson. Is it is a proven known fact that if you hold your kid back one year, academically, they are going to do better throughout school. Mm, yeah. Especially if you've got a kid that's maybe real immature, you know, like a like even for their age, they're a little immature, yeah. emotionally immature. You hold them back a year, nine times out of ten, they are gonna breeze through school, man. It's not it's not gonna be nearly as hard for them if they're a year older. That's, that's, that's proof. That's fact. I was old for my class. I have a September birthday, and I think there yep. was one, one girl who was older than me. Right. And I did struggle through school, but mostly it was because I didn't want to do it. I, I don't, if I would have applied myself, I don't know if that would have been the case. Hey, guys, listen to what I'm about to say, okay? I've got one of my favorite people in the world on this podcast today, and I'm not going to start crying. I'm not going to start don't. crying. Here's what I need everybody listening to this to do, because we are about to spit knowledge the way you, you've never heard anything like what we're going to talk about today. I need you to go get a notebook and I need you to get a pen and I need you to take notes because this is going to be one of those. This is going to be one of those. Might want to listen to this two or three times. That's that's how good this is going to be. OK, without further ado, I want to give him the introduction that he's always deserved. He's originally from West Palm Beach, Florida. And he currently resides in Neptune Beach, Florida. He studied at the University of Central Florida. He's a husband, a dad, author, a coach in our industry. He's an expert in time management. And in my opinion, one of the best leaders that we've got. He's the owner of Brightway Insurance in Ponta Verdra. Can't believe I actually got that right. And he's just released a new book, Business Masterclass which focuses on his 21-step process to find and hire world-class people, how to simplify your life, how to communicate your vision to your team, how he built a system that generates over 5,000 referrals for him each year, and much, much more. And guys, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out for the first time of about six times I'm going to throw it out today, www.billy-wagner.com. Go to it. Join the community. Buy the book. If you don't buy it for him, buy it for me. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce my friend and second-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Billy Wagner. How are you, Billy? I'm wonderful. Thank you for that introduction. It's always a great day to get to spend with you guys, so I'm happy to be here. I'm just going to start with a start, Billy. Hey, there's no better way for us to start a Monday than with Billy Wagner, right, Scott? I'm telling you. Hey, Billy... How you been doing? How's the family? How's everything going for you? Wonderful. Um, as you say, it's the best I've ever been. I, I feel exactly the same way. You know, there's a lot of adversity right now, but it's, you know, there's so many blessings. There's so many great things going on. I've got, just as you were talking about, I've got a, uh, some, a 14-year-old and a 13-year-old. So I know exactly what you're talking about as far as kids and sports and all that stuff. And it's just a, it's a great time in our family. It's a great time in business. And I, I just am so grateful and blessed uh, for, for the way life is going right now. That is, I love to hear that. 
Now, you and I jumped on a 30-minute call last week. I had questions. You had answers. And we're going to go through a little bit of that today for just a second. But I want to focus for these agents today on some things that you said to me last week as I'm furiously scribbling notes while you're talking that really resonated with me and made me think. So number one, first thing you said last week, and I told you guys right before we got on this podcast, I said, there are some people in this industry that just do not know how to work. And Bradley just died laughing. And I said, I'm dead ass serious. There are people in this industry that just don't know how to work. They don't, they don't understand what it takes. And they don't laugh because it was the most true thing you've ever said. There are, I got one in my office right now. He does. I just don't think he understands how to work and he's young. He's a young guy. Hopefully he doesn't listen to the podcast. Well, he will, but that's okay. Listen, here's what Billy said. And Billy has always been a be intentional about your time guy, but I want him to explain in a little more detail than he did the other day. Here's what he said. Audit what they do every 30 minutes to maximize efficiency. Go ahead, Billy. Yeah. So it's something that they don't realize even what they're doing. And, and also I come about it from a perspective of, I want to help them. I want them to be better. And Mm -hmm. I shared with them the fact that I did it. And really, if, if I were to follow you around for the last three or four days, what are you doing minute to minute and hour by hour? And I think that there's a lot of things that they may want to tell their leader of what they're facing and what they're doing. So us understanding that I think is really important. But there's a lot of strategy around just that getting that 30 minute breakdown of what they're doing. There's a ton of waste in there and there just is. And it's in all of our lives. There's so many distractions and there's so many ways that we get off track. But if you can look at that list and especially if they're a performer and say uh, if, if they're good at some area and they're doing things that are not good at, it's looking at it and saying, what can we outsource? What can mm-hmm. we delegate? Mm-hmm. What can we automate? What can we routinize? Uh, I love that word, like put it into routine every day to make sure that that gets done every time. What do we need to cut? What is the things that we're doing that don't belong there? And asking the question, which I love this question is, what is the profit in this? And, mm. you know, making sure that they realize that I don't want them doing things that don't make sense. And uh, a lot of times they're freelancing and we realize they're freelancing when we start auditing and taking a look at it. And if we took the time to listen to what they're doing, break it down 30 minutes at a time, and then help them improve it. And a lot of times it's either a process, it's a training, and then it might be a person. And then we made a mistake and we got somebody that got by the goalie and we can talk about the process for making sure that doesn't happen, but sometimes it does and they get by. And how do we then realize that it's just the wrong person in that seat and then we've got to move on. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. There is an agent in Richland, Virginia right now that just sent me a question to my head. And here was the question they just sent me. What tool do you use when you implement the, hey, we need to look at his his or her time every 30 minutes. What tool do you implement to do that with that's efficient? I mean, is it just writing it down on a sheet of paper and scanning and emailing it to you every day? Or is there an online tool that you use? So there's two things. There's, there is some online tracking things that you can use for the computer. I, I don't personally use those. And again, we're not doing this on a day-to-day basis. This is an analysis assessment. So they're taking their email and they've got a draft email set up on their computer. And every 30 minutes, they're writing it down and documenting it. 
And so there's a scoreboard and a scorecard of everything that they do that matters to me that they're reporting on every week. So those numbers, you can't lie. You can't get away from them. There's built-in accountability on how many phone calls that I answer, those type of things. But this is really getting into the day-to-day and what are they, what are they working on? What are they focused on? Mm-hmm. And just literally writing it out and typing it. And so it's really just as simple as, you know, we start the day at 8.30 and what did I do in the first 30 minutes? So you're, you're not doing this every, every single day. Maybe you're asking them to do this audit twice a week or something like that. This is just an analysis to look at productivity. If we've got somebody that's super productive, I, we probably should do right. that, but we don't. Right. We're looking at what their productivity is. The other thing that I think is very profound, and I had to start doing this when I had hired a personal assistant because I was nervous about what are they doing. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, I have my admin team do this and my personal assistant. The sales team, not necessarily because the results speak for themselves. And I'm not going to micromanage people that are successful. But at the admin team, uh, they send me an email at the end of the day with what they accomplished. And so I, I love getting that email because I look at it and I go, oh, wow, they got a lot of stuff done that I didn't even realize they were doing or wasn't even, I didn't know that was on their plate. And so I love that accountability of a daily email of what they accomplished and what is left pending. So I know how many things they've got on their plate. And this is perfect for virtual assistants, those kind of things. What do they have pending that they didn't get to? And what did they accomplish? Give them a checklist of the things that they're supposed to do. And what did they accomplish? Mm -hmm. So I know there's agents listening to this that aren't doing this. Most of us aren't. And they're thinking, boy, if I rolled that out, Sally would push back tremendously or Jeffrey would push back tremendously. Have you received pushback and what would your advice be to those agents? Because a lot of times change is tough, especially something like that. Yeah, it's it's an accountability thing. I think the only time I've had pushback was when I had a poor performer. <laughs> and so if if they're a poor performer and we had to kind of move on from them, and I don't, I very rarely let people go. Um, and I remember there's just been a couple of times in my 15 years that I've had to do that. And it's the people that they they want to hide and they want to make excuses And so if you come at it from the perspective of, I want you to be better, I want to help you. And all I want you to do is win and I can make things better for you. And I guarantee if I look at it, I'm going to be able to help you with some things because Mm -hmm. we didn't, maybe we miss. And I, again, everything in my business is a hundred percent my fault when it's bad and when it's good, it's all about them. And so if they realize that that's the approach that I take, if I'm going to ask them to do something, it's only to help them. And that's kind of the cold that I've created. It's awesome. Now, here's what I get sometimes. I have my people do the daily report. Some of them, not everybody. Like you said, there's some people you, you don't need to do that with because you know they're jamming. A lot of times I'll just get this. Uh, there's information at the, uh, in the report, but it seems vague. It's not as uh, detailed as I would like. And it doesn't include the accountability factor where you know, they talk about what was it you said? What's left pending? Mm-hmm. You know, here's what I did today. Here's what's left pending that I didn't get finished today. So I think for me, there's probably a level of I need to see more detail oriented things on there relative to uh, the, rather than just uh, three or four sentences. I worked on this and I worked on that. And I worked on this. And that's about all I did today. Right. Because that, that just seems when you look at it underwhelming, you're like, well, you didn't. You, looks like about two hours of work to me. You know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. So I need to do a better job of that. But I love that. I would I would just say one of the other one of the best things we ever did was we created and we talked about this on a previous episode, but like the idea of desired outcomes, right? And so if you're struggling and you have a pain point in your business, we taught everyone how to build out a process. And we, in fact, just did our weekly meeting this morning and we went through a process and we person that everyone's responsible for writing them and we give them a template and the template says, we, we actually have one that says to send my daily report, these are the steps that you follow to do my daily report. And it says when we created it, who created it. And it says when this happens, so at the end of the day, before I leave, I send my daily report and here's step one. Here's step two, here's step three, here's step four. What I love about it is thinking about it from the perspective of what, what should I never do? Mm-hmm. Like what should something that I should never do, like something that's a pet peeve or something that frustrates you as the owner, this should never happen, right? So thinking about it, and then you build this process and then you analyze it. your team goes through it and they look at it and they go, is that right? What can we add? What can we make it better on that? And so you can do that with everything. And imagine just doing one of those a week, how different your business is going to be in 90 days. Mm. So you built the process on how to do a process and you basically gave them the process on how to create your, your, your time management sheet or your end of the day report. I love that. Second conversation we had last week that really resonated with me. And I'll let you describe exactly who does this. I believe you said more of your operations agency manager person does a lot of these, but I got the feeling that maybe some of these you're involved with as well. Weekly conversations with your team. Here were some of the questions that you said that you asked. And I believe you said y'all kind of walk around the building together in a real informal way of just, you know, I'm sure you're not jumping into this. You're probably, hey, how are you doing? How's the family? That kind of thing. One question that he said he asks, and I love this because it's more about you or your agency manager asking for help. What what's in my blind spot? What am I not seeing? Mm-hmm. No, question number two, how are you doing financially? Woo-wee. That's a question that I don't, I don't sit around and ask people every day. How are you doing financially? Tell me about it. And then the third thing I wrote down, what's in your way, which is basically how can I help you achieve more and become more successful? Talk about that a little bit to these agents. I hope y'all are writing this shit down. Yeah, this is one of the most powerful things we do. And, and honestly, we, we share that. You know, the other leader in my office, he starts on one end of the office and I start on the other end and we do it weekly. So it's a consistent thing. And really, it's more of, as you said, it's more of an employer review than it is me kind of like giving them feedback. It's more about how can I help them? And, you know, we ask another question we ask is, you know, how personally cared for are you on a scale of one to 10? And make sure you ask it on a scale of one to 10, because then you can then follow up that question with what would it take to make it a 10? And then you have true leverage on exactly what matters to them. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That question's kind of deep. Yeah. How are you personally cared for? Does that mean within the agency? How do you feel? I mean, because that's deep water if you're going to start talking about their husband or wife. No, it's, it's, it's how do they feel? Do they feel like they belong? Do they feel like they're a part of the right team? You know, how do you feel? Do you feel like you're cared for? Is it, ultimately, that's loyalty. When they feel like you care about them, to me, that's why I use those words, because I want them to feel that. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, then you know what the leverage is, right? So you know what's most important to them. 
And asking that question is, is, is very powerful. And we also ask them, you know, I want them to have the best of the best world-class everything when it comes to technology. I don't want them fussing around with a, a headset that doesn't work or we spent $70 upgrading all our laptops that were only two years old. Right. Best decision ever. They work twice as fast for a $70 upgrade. But Speed. if we weren't in there Speed. asking, yep, we weren't in there asking those questions. We weren't making those changes. And so you're also trying to find out, you know, what their goals are. And we can talk about how we strategize that. We've got some really cool stuff that we look at their goals and we do what's called a one sheet with every team member. It's one sheet of paper that tells everything that they're trying to accomplish in life, their bucket list their personal goals, you know, their initiatives for the year, their net worth, everything. It's very personal, but we know everything about them. So it's kind of like, how are you doing on the goal to buy a new home or start a family? How, are, how is that going? It's again, more about them than anything else. And they're getting beat up right now in the marketplace. My team is just getting crushed and I need them to know that I care about them and that, you know, I'm there to try to take things out of their way if I can and make things better and know what they're facing and what they're going through. What was that one sheet called? It's just called a one sheet. I think it was Gary Keller created it originally and I modified it and changed it, but it's true. It's, it's really awesome. It's, it, it actually shows their freedom percentage, which is how much income they need to make over time. And it talks to them about investing and getting out of debt it has, you know, kind of all their goals, the wheel of life goals of, you know, if you look at their financial, you know, their, their business goals, their family goals, all those things. If your wheel isn't correct in all those areas, it's a wheel that doesn't roll. Right. And so we do that with every team member. And so we know kind of where they're at. And then we put it all together at the end of a year into a, a video and it's called our championship game plan. And it's every single person's individual goals as well as the agency goals and what we're trying to accomplish. It's about three minutes long. It's our initiatives for the year. And then we stop it on each team member and we go, Hey, Chris, how are you doing on, you know, you're going to lose 20 pounds. How's that going? And right. so there's accountability and we're trying to, we're trying to just make them better. People are happiest when they're growing and I want to make sure that they're constantly growing in my environment. That's my number one initiative is that there's growth for them because that's what makes them happy. Do you send them email all of your people? their one sheet and give them a time frame to fill it out and get back to you? Or are you sitting in a conference room with them kind of going through the sheet together? Which one of those do you do? Great question. So we did an education piece on it where we taught it for about an hour and we went one by one through each thing. And then we kind of broke it down and did it in a secondary session. We do a, a monthly meeting and it's part of our monthly meeting is we do an extensive training. And so we spent about an hour and a half kind of going through the process. But then at the end of the day, they've got to spend the time to kind of make it their own and make right. it meaningful. And so there's a there's a longer process around that. And we've been doing those type of things. We've done best year ever like Darren Hardy does. We've done a lot of stuff over time. We're constantly trying to change and make those things better for them and, and really just look at it from a different lens each time. So it's not doesn't get stale. Because right. a lot of times you come up with these ideas and you do them and they're like, oh, we got to do that again. So you kind of just keep it fresh and interesting each year. So you mentioned something earlier that segues into the next thing we, we wanted to talk about today that we touched on briefly when you and I were together last week, playing defense in Florida. And we've had some other podcasts recently in the last three or four months where we touched on this subject matter. I don't know that 
agents in other states understand exactly what is going on in Florida right now. And uh, not to be disrespectful, a lot of them don't. It is. It's bad. It Florida, is not good. Louisiana, Southern yep. Alabama. It is not good. Explain to the agents that we have on this podcast right now that are in places like Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, you know, explain to them exactly what is going on in this market and some of the challenges that you guys are having right now, having to play defense. Yeah, it's it's the worst the industry's ever been in my 15 years. And even if you go back, you know, and talk to people that have been around longer, it's it's never been this bad. Premiums have gone up almost 100%. And they probably, unless there's some fixes, will have to go up another 100%. And our average premium is is ridiculous in Florida. And really what's happened is it's it's a major problem with litigation. And there's, you know, 76% of all the litigation in the United States is in Florida specifically. And so it just doesn't make sense that we have all of this litigation. And uh, there's a lot of free roofs and a lot of fraud going on like that. And it's been this way for a while. And people have tried to kick the can down the road and it's now coming to roost. We used to have 50 markets 10 years ago. And about uh, over the last 10 years, about 15 or 20 of those have gone out of business, like completely went insolvent. Uh, every 45 days since the beginning of the year, a company has gone out of business in Florida. Wait, say and that again. Every 45 days since January 1st, a company has gone out of business in Florida. What do you think the solution is to that? I think they had him over at the damn Florida insurance department about two weeks ago and asking the exact same question. Is it eliminating assignment of benefits? Will that take care of it? No, truthfully, it's the hardest thing, but it's the one-way attorney fees. It's the incentive and the legislative in Florida is it's generally run by attorneys and it's the incentive for them to, and they've built the laws to make it uh, lucrative for them to litigate everything. Even though 95% of the claims just get paid out the way they should, you've got roof that should be 20,000 being a $60,000 claim and the majority of it's going to the attorney. And so you've got to fix the attorney uh, stipulations. And there has been some fixes. They have been made, they had a special session and they made some changes, which hopefully makes things better. But the problem is there's a two-year tail on it. So all they got to do is say, you know, it just started like two weeks ago. So all I got to do is say, oh, this was a, from a hailstorm that happened six months ago. So that there's a two year lag on bef- yeah. before it starts to get better. And the big problem right now is reinsurance. And so all the carriers all over, all across the world are buying reinsurance. And in Florida, the rates have gone up so much that the carriers have just said, it's not worth it to grow. It's not worth it to write business because we're going to lose money on every single thing we write. So they're pulling back. And now we have probably Going from the 30 or five carriers left, we only got about seven that are writing. And, and it's just the unintended consequences of all the decisions. And even in the special session, there was a law that said the carriers can't cancel a roof if it's over 15 years old. So they just decided to change the age of home that they'll accept to like seven years. And so it's just, it's a brutal world. And really what's happening right now is these companies go insolvent. And imagine your agency, if one of your carriers goes under and you've got 30 days to move the entire book. Mm-hmm. You've got to reach out to them, completely rewrite a new policy. You've got to get new inspections and, you know, we're getting good at it. We've got systems and processes and most agencies don't have those. And it's, it's unbelievable. The burden that puts on, on the team just to try to stay level. You know, we had to rewrite, we're in the process of rewriting 300 now this month, and we've got to have them done by July 15th. That's in addition to all the other stuff that we're already very busy. It's just insane. Billy, I have two questions on that. So one 
how, and I had an agent in Louisiana actually ask me this question on Friday, call me out of the blue, somebody I don't know. How are you keeping your team positive during this? Um, because this particular person had a ton of turnover and people quit and that sort of thing. And then uh, the second question is talk a little bit about your book roll process and you know, how are you guys relaying this to the customer and that sort of thing? Because we've dealt with a little bit of this, I would say less than 10% as far as level of, you know, level of severity. Uh, we've dealt with a little bit of it in Alabama the last two years. And, you know, we dealt with a carrier last year that they didn't go and solve it. They just decided they weren't riding in Alabama anymore, going back to California. And, you know, of course our plan was, hey, we're going to reach out to everybody about 30 to 60 days before renewal, offer a requote, that sort of thing. But what the carrier was doing is they were sending the letters six months in advance. Okay. The reason they do that is they hope the client leaves. That way they don't have to stay on it during hurricane seasons. The reason they do it. But so we, we reached out to the customer. Hey, no big deal. Look, there's nothing we can really do right now. We're just going to do it at renewal, that sort of thing. But what we found is people were uneasy with knowing that their policy was going to cancel, even if it was six months from now. And then all of a sudden we were getting cancellations. So we ended up it like compounded the problem. We ended up having to reshop the midterm, which then generated us a chargeback. So it's like double bad. So kind of talk about your process as far as like what your language is to the client and that sort of thing. Because I think it could help agents even who aren't in these ridiculous markets on moving business. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there, but the biggest thing is to communicate with the client in a, in a really, I mean, make sure that your scripting is solid, that the w- words you use are really important. And we just tell people that we're all over it. You're going to hear some things. You're going to get things in the mail. But just let you know, we've been working on this for a while and we're get, we're going to get it. What would really help us if you click this link right here and give us any updates, any anything that, we, that can help us kind of move it. So it starts the process with them filling out something and giving us some data that will be useful. And it also lets us know who's kind of ready to kind of start tackling it, right? And then we've built this giant Excel spreadsheet system that is pretty crazy where we have it color coded based on how they respond and when they respond. And then we've kind of built the automation. So the goal is, you know, we actually built the automation in the system to upload all the documents in Excel and put it through the Raider in bulk so that the agents don't have to do that manual data entry, which has been huge. Then the only part they have to do is go in there and make the selection for the carrier and send the quote out. And then I automate everything else from there. So there's voicemail drops, there's follow-up emails, there's text messages. So the only thing they got to do is make a selection and send it out. So you guys are using Quote Rush, I'm guessing. Yeah, correct. So it makes it to where they have a little small piece of it. And we just say, look, we're going to bite it and go get it. And sometimes I just said last Saturday, I said, anyone want to work and make extra money? Anyone wants to come in Saturday? Six people did. And I wasn't expecting, we didn't even need that many. So what ended up happening is we did all the work in about three or four hours, got all the quotes submitted to the, once the client has an option, then a lot of the pressure is off. And then you can kind of slowly get them to kind of get the responses back into you. And then I think from the aspect of the overwhelmed, I, I literally... Two months ago, I, at our weekly meeting, I sit and looked at everyone's face in the office, and I went, "Oh my gosh, they look defeated." And so I, I just said, "Oh, we're hiring, we're hiring two people." Right. And so you know, we're getting another VA. We're going to hire somebody else, and we're going to make sure we're pulling some other things off of their plate. And so, 
And there's a bunch of other things we can talk about culture. I love that conversation, but I think a lot of that matters when you don't have a good culture, anything will be a reason where people will leave. So it's just about being aware of what they're facing and trying to help them navigate the best way forward. So Bradley doesn't know this. It's the first time he's heard this. The onus behind my call to Billy last week is I was sitting at home the other night and I was thinking about the fact that we've now hit this recession, you know, gas is whatever it is in the state that you live in, you know, on average groceries are costing like 12% more stuff just costs more. And I started thinking about that and I thought, you know, I need to double, triple, make sure that I don't need to be paying my people more than what I'm paying them because we just aren't where we were three, four, five months ago, six mm-hmm. months ago, you know, and whatever I was paying them then today, that money's not going as far. Right. That was the onus behind my call to Billy is I wanted an honest, open dialogue about, Hey, am I paying my people enough or do I need to pay them more just simply because their money's not going as far as it was. Right. So here, here's the four he has four levels of compensation. And I and guys, again, go back to the book. This compensation model is in the book. I believe it's Billy 1999 on Amazon. Is that right? Yep. Correct. Yep. Yep. His compensation, I mean, he puts it in the book. You don't need to be writing anything down right now because when you go buy the book, which by the way, the money's going to help people anyway, but www.billy slash wagner.com and there's all kinds of other things in the book but here's some of the things and billy i'll let you speak to this that kind of caught my attention when we talked so level one compensation for you is on an hourly basis and it's really a 90-day probationary talk a little bit about that yeah and we are recruiting a lot of uh, younger folks into the industry that have never been in there we kind of trick right. them into coming into the business so right. we've got a lot of different strategies have to. you have to and uh so we're bringing people on and we're we're teaching them from scratch the business and so we basically almost look at it like a glorified internship right they're going to spend 12 weeks with the most intense training they've ever had time to the minute they're going to be a ninja when they're done but we're making a huge investment in time in them And so it's generally, you know, a $15 an hour straight hourly position to start for the first 90 days. They're in their probationary period. They're just learning. They're coming on licensed. We do give them a bonus to come on with a license. It's a thousand dollar bonus. So it's kind of a sign on bonus. And that's all they get for level one. And that's the same all the way till the end of their 90 days. Right. Let me say something real quick. One thing that absolutely drives me up the wall is in these insurance groups where people start talking about compensation, specifically hourly or salary wages, half the group says, oh my God, I cannot believe you're underpaying those people. How do you sleep at night? You're a freaking slumlord. And half the people are like, man, that's a great wage. That They should be really happy with that. Folks, consider, I'm almost like getting into the whole like raising the minimum wage argument, whereas like the people in New York City and Chicago and California don't consider that you can live in, small town America for 35% of what you can live for in New York. So consider the area when you listen to that, you know, Billy's $15 an hour might be 18 where you're at, might be 12 where you're at. So keep that in mind. Okay. 
Perfect. I just had to yes. get that off my chest. Yes, absolutely. Level two. Scott is an intern. By, by the way, guys, if my son, who claims he wants to come into business with me one day. Does he? That's what he claims. I don't know. First thing I do, send him to Billy Wagner and say, I want you to ride his ass like Zorro for 90 days. <laughs> and by the way, pay him half of what you pay everybody else. I don't give a shit about the money. Ride him like Zorro. But let's say Wyatt Howell, 20-year-old, 21 years old, Wyatt Howell comes through, and he makes it through the probationary period. Now, now he's on level two. And guys, remember, this is in the book. You need to go get the book right now, okay? All this is in the book, so you don't have to take notes. But he's made it to level two. Now, where where is he on level two now? So level two, we convert his hourly to a salary position. So we don't, we're no longer hourly tracking or anything like that. He's a salary. He's a full-time team member. He's got all the full benefits. We can talk about it, but I've got like 15 different benefits that we offer every single year that I've been in business. I've made my benefit package better in some small way. And that's, that's right. definitely a tip right there. Roll through that and a little bit. So Basically, I look at it and go, what am I going to improve this year? What am I going to, I mean, so like, for instance, last year, we started half day Fridays where we rotate around the office and one person gets a half day on Friday. So it can be something very simple, very little like that, but it's always constantly trying to make it a little bit better, a little bit better. We also offered the year before that, we offered counseling service where we bought a package where somebody needed to talk to somebody and they were struggling with something. They could do that. And it was part of the package. So Little things like that, you improve your benefits. But going back to level two, level two, they then start earning a commission percentage. And again, don't get caught up in what the percentages are and what the salaries are and what it doesn't matter. It matters that you have levels and that's what's important. And the levels have to be a validation point for the business and for the person. There's so many people that are making mistakes and they think that they have to pay somebody, but they don't look at how do you validate it? When do you start breaking even as a business owner? And then for them, we start them out low, but we put no ceiling on what they can earn. And that's right. the difference. And so in most businesses, I could start somebody out at sixty, seventy thousand $70,000, but they'll never make any more money than that. Right. But if I start them out at a lower level, then they have the ability to, there is no ceiling. And so they get a 25% new business uh, override or commission. Uh, there's some bonus things. We have perfect months and things like that that we add in there. But they're also building for level three, and we can talk about that. But level two really is just they start earning commissions. They're starting to build their book of business. They're built, developing relationships. And when they have to hit a certain number to move to level three. Now, can I say what that number is, or do you want sure. to go read the book and uh, get You the can book? say. They're okay. going to help as many people as possible. They don't have to so, read if they don't want to. If you want to get to level three, you want to get to level three, $9,000 a week, which equates to $36,000 a month in new business premium, I believe, if, that's, if I'm not mistaken, for three consecutive months. So you're selling $36,000 a month in new business premium for three consecutive months. When we get to the end of that 36 months, we have a champagne party. And guess what, brother? You are now at level three. That's correct. Talk about, and talk about level three for a second. 
So level three, they're going to two things that we've we've added. We're giving them administrative support. So we're getting post-bind support on all their applications. We don't do that until they validate. They have to prove and they have to do the grunt work just like everybody else did to get to that level. And they have to do all their own paperwork and all that own stuff so they understand what that role is and they're not entitled. And then once they get to that level, we have somebody doing all their post-bind work they're helping them with a few things like new business checks. They're putting all their applications together. They're entering into the CRM and the AMS system for them. And so I'm paying that extra expense for them and they don't have to do it. And so that allows them to scale and do more. But then I also give them a 5% renewal. So it's a mm. small renewal piece and it starts from day one, the first policy they wrote. So if they get to level three very quickly, then they miss no renewals. But as soon as they hit that level, they start getting a 5% renewal. And for us, it's about a three to $5,000 income to them. It's kind of where their salary increases happen over time and those kind of things. And it just, it's built in so that they care a little bit about the renewal piece. Now they're not touching any renewal work. They're not doing any service work. They're only doing the sales side. And that's how that structure works at level three. Okay. Again, guys, if you want to find out more about this, don't call to email, text Bradley and I go buy the book, go get the book, go join his community and go get the book. And I'll say it again, www.billy. What's that thing called? Like a slash slash yeah. Wagner.com. That's where you got to go. Now explain to our listening audience right now, level four, or as I call it, rock star level. So level how do, four, how do, how do they get there? How to get, how do they validate to level four? Yep. So level four, there's two validation options. They can either have a $2 million book of business. So longer term, they build a $2 million book of business, or they can write $750,000 in new business premium for the year. So either one of those two validation points and the way those validation points work is they always are taking a step forward in their compensation when the, one of those two are hit. And that's kind of the, where those are. And they then become a commissioned only producer. So they come off of the salary and then they go commission only and they get a 55% new business and 10% renewal. Gotcha. And that increase on average is for us is around $10,000 a year in, in new salary or new income. And what business can you go in and, and you get a $10,000 a year income jump every single year? Right. And they're earning more on the new business. It's highly incentivized for new business because that's how our model works. Again, they're not doing any renewal. And then we're also adding another layer of admin support for that team member. Um, they're doing some of their pre-quoting. They're helping them with some of their other stuff in addition to the post-bind stuff. So there's a little bit level of support and they're able to, again, grow from that perspective. And they also have a retained earnings as part of that contract as well. Now, here's what blew me away the other day. We get done with this more more producer-oriented compensation stuff that we're talking about right now. And I said, well, Billy, I said, tell me a little bit. How, how are you paying your, your support team, your account managers, your, you know, director of first impressions? And he says, uh, oh, I don't, I don't have to pay them anything. I outsource all of that. And I nearly fell on the damn floor. I was like, are you kidding me? And, and I know that's not the norm, but the way you're set up is more of a uh, structure where you outsource that to a company. Is it Brightway? I don't know who it is. Yep. Yep. And, and so all of the service work is getting outsourced. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so again, it's 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 about scaling uh, correctly, and so there's other models out there that that offer that, and you know, it it allows us to grow. You know, we're doing a million dollars a month in new green business right now, and wow. it's because we have all of this stuff outsourced and scaled to focus whole hundred percent on the, the growth. Right? right. And so of course I'm paying a lot of money for that, but it's worth it because I'm able to scale it and grow. And right. so that's really what our model has been about. And it's allowed us to focus on the experience, you know, what happens when the phone rings and the transactions and right. the client experience happens because we're focused hundred percent on that process. Wow. So here's how I want to end this podcast. Can I ask a question that every listener's wondering right now? Please. And I know it's probably good, so I'm not asking this in vain, but I know there's naysayers listening to this, thinking this in a negative tone. What's your retention? It's 92%. And that's, yeah. And so, yeah, there's a lot of people that have a negative outlook on, you know, how do you do it that way? And how do you structure it again? There's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, right? And so for us, it's worked really, really well. uh, And we've been able to grow exponentially because Again, our focus is on the client experience and building rapport and, and those kind of things. And, and it's all working out, right? And can we talk about 92% in the Florida market? That's jamming. Because so, if you weren't dealing with all that, it would probably be 99. Right. Let's yeah. just be honest. Yeah. So the way I want to end this podcast, Bradley, I want to talk about something Billy loves. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about culture. And then as we end the podcast here in just a few minutes, I want you, Billy, to talk about where they can go to get your book, which I've pointed out a couple, three times now, and talk a little bit about that and what they get with the book and the community that they can join. Sure. So I, I, I love culture. Uh, it's one of the most important things for me is really the what makes the hair on the back of my neck stick up is the people on my team and helping them win at life. And so I think there's a lot of different ways to be creative there. And Grant Botma taught me something that was really cool, which is he has a position of executive of belonging and we adopted that. So we have one person, their sole job in the, in the office, I do it as well, but their sole job is to make sure everyone feels like they belong. So if somebody has a rough day, they're sending a pizza to their house. If uh, they, they're taking care of the birthdays and the anniversaries, cause I will forget. And so they're, they're welcoming new team members. That literally all they do. No, this is just a side piece of what they do. So everyone in our agency has these side jobs Mm. uh, that they're responsible for. That's just part of working here. And one of their jobs, and she's just a very nurturing person, and she's just looking out for everyone. Like we do things that are fun too, like a summer bucket list. We put it in our team's channel, and we're all trying to see who, who has a picnic this weekend or goes to a concert or goes on a bike ride. We have a massage chair in the office. If they're having a rough phone call, they can go you know, take their headset and sit in the massage chair. We have the very best coffee machine in the world. It's like a cafe. It's one of those Jura machines. They, all their coffee, espresso, all that kind of stuff is, is there for them. We do a uh, team appreciation day every single year, and we don't let Hallmark decide when that's going to be. We do it in May. Of course, when everyone onboards with us, we ask them about 30 questions of what's their favorite alcohol, favorite gift card, favorite mini trip, vacation, all these things to take care of them in the future. But we, we buy their, you know, their favorite alcohol and they, each team member gets a handwritten note from me and I get a handwritten note to their spouse on how much I value them. And then we do uh, lunch in the office. And then we, we, this last time we went to a baseball game, just again, spending time together. We do quarterly outings and then we just do like surprise things again. The things that you can do that just out of the blue, like it's pajama day, bring your dog to work day, uh, breakfast, we're going to 
serve breakfast in the morning. We're going to do community events together. We do charitable work together. We just started this this year and and we let them fire two to three clients every year. If talk about like the burden of living in our world and there's some clients that are just, they need to be let go. And we decide together as a group to do that. So it's just all those things are just little things that are happening on a daily basis that we're trying to change the culture. And what you want is them thinking about oh, I, these are really cool things that I get to experience here versus all the other bad things that might be in their head. You're kind of clearing that out and putting the framework for this for them. Talk a little bit about from a cultural standpoint, if people want to work from home, you yeah. know, whether it's COVID or they just maybe during COVID, they work from home and now they figured out that they like it. Gas is $370 a gallon. So maybe they don't want that extra expense of driving 45 minutes to the office every day and spending $600 a month on gas. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And it's, it's just about doing the right thing. And, and so every team member has a state-of-the-art setup at home and in the office. And so they've got the three monitors, the docking stations, the powered stand-up desks in both places. <clears throat> and so they can work either place effectively. Right. And some people in the office like to be in the office because the environment is fun and they enjoy coming here and they really love it. And some people don't want to pay the $300 a month in gas. And so they make that decision and you earn that right. And so, again, I don't micromanage somebody. If you're crushing it and you're killing it, you, you have a lot more flexibility. And, you know, we do monitor the phone calls. So if they're not answering the phone, which is everyone's responsibility, then they're going to get called out on that. But other than that, like the scoreboard and the scorecard, the results are, are what matters. And so that's what's the main focus. And so if they want to work from home, we absolutely allow that. And ultimately, that's the way we're going to grow and scale because we're out of space now in the office. And so right. we're going to have to scale that way. So it's it's definitely a, something that we want to make available to people. I think in order to be successful moving forward, both sides have to give a little bit. I think agency owners have to realize that having the hybrid available is a little bit of a competitive advantage. You're going to have to be okay with people working from home. But I yep. think the flip side is true too. I know employees and agency owners that think only work from home is the way to go. I think for a lot of companies that could work in certain situations, but I don't think at scale, only remote is going to be the way forward either. Yeah. And we require early on for them to be inside the office because again, we're going to be intensely training them. So it's yeah. this, the learning curve is so much faster when they're in the environment, but once they are out past that one or two years, then they have a hundred percent flexibility in, mm -hmm. in that. Well, what happens too, when you're okay with a hundred percent remote, you open yourself up to way more recruits because I can hire someone in Wisconsin. You know, if a podcast listener, that's a good producer that hates their job, in Iowa listens to this. They can, we can talk, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. Scott's done some of that as well. It really opens you up to kind of the cream of the crop versus just pulling from Gertrude and whoever from your, your little zip code you're in, you know? Right. Right. Hey, Billy, let's end this podcast right now by you talking a little bit about the book and the way to go buy it where to go buy it, the community that you've created. Talk a little bit about all of that and give our listeners a little flavor of why they need to go get it. Yeah. And so I have this personal mission that I, that I started a couple of years ago. I did a lot of, a lot of work on myself and, you know, we do this for our, 
our businesses where we come up with our vision, our values, our mission. And I came up with my own personal mission that I want to help 100,000 people change their business and their life. And I was doing that about six or seven years ago with one-on-one phone calls, kind of like what we did the other day, Scott, just kind of shooting it with people and trying to help them. And I was doing it one-on-one and I was like, this isn't scaling. And so, and, and what I realized is when I started, you guys have done some of this, when you start speaking, you start doing, you know, live, you know, speaking engagements and stuff like that. And what it did for my business is when I spoke on building a hiring process, my hiring process was good, but then it was great. And then we changed it and made it even better. So when you speak on something, when you work on something, you just get so much better at it. So I was like, man, I'm going to just keep doing this because I enjoy it. I like helping people. And then as I started speaking, I did these, I did four of these speeches where I did one on hiring. I did one on building a referral-based business. Uh, I did one on, um, you know, communication and casting a vision and and so they, they just became chapters in the book. And now I have, you know, it's a lot of work. Um, it took, you know, over a year to write the book and it's, um, there's a lot of effort involved, but now I feel like I'm scaling things. And now I feel like I'm helping a lot more people. And the whole idea for me is to be an example in the community and to be an example of giving back. And this is a thing that I have a talent and skill set for, and I like it. And I'm just really giving back to the community and all the proceeds from anything that I do, including my agency is going back to the community. And so this just gives me an, an ability to leverage it and do that. And as you mentioned, the website has the ability, you can buy it, you know, through the Amazon link. You know, I am building a community and the only reason I'm building the community is because I think people are going to want to go a little bit deeper than the book. There's some people that are going to want to read the book and take the information and great. Um, Some people might want to go a little bit deeper. And so I'm going to build something where they can put a workbook together and start building this stuff from scratch for themselves and help them really change their business. And so I'm doing a couple of other things around that world. And, you know, just again, to try to help more people. Tell them where to go to go get it and how they can join the community as well and what they get by joining the community. Yep. So the website is, you know, Billy Wagner is a professional baseball player. So I couldn't get (laughs) billywagner.com. Apparently I tried. As much as I, no matter what I would was paying for it, it wasn't available, but it's www.billy-wagner.com. And uh, I'll give a shout out to Chris Langell. He, he actually built the website. He does, you know, amazing work for our industry and, and love him. And on there, you can just click the button to join the community. There's nothing active right now. We're just kind of building the community and then more to come on what the next steps are. But really, Again, the, all, the, the book has been overwhelming the support. I mean, thousands of dollars already, and it's only been out a week. Thousands of dollars has, has been raised for charity, which is awesome. And that's just what makes me just so thrilled. Um, and I know that it's going to help people. And it's, it's documented processes for stuff that I have bloodied my nose on. I've made mistakes. I have the scars. And now it's, it's a way that you can read something and actually not have, make the same mistakes that I did. That's awesome. Hey, let me just offer up, Billy. Here's what we need to do. I have billion dollar ideas every day. We need to figure out. I'm being, I'm as serious as cancer right now. We need to figure out how to get your book on Audible and then let Scott read your book on Audible. I'll be the voice of the, of the book. Mm. And yeah, I would, I would love to do that for you. I think it would be fantastic. You know, I, I go to Audible University. I mean, that's, I've been, Four days now, I've been reading books on Audible. So I would love to do that. I know I talked to uh, Troy Corsgarden about his books, and I said, Troy, man, 
if you can get these uh, books on Audible, man, I'd come a whole lot closer to read them. I just have a hard time slowing down long enough to read an actual paper or hardback book. But if it's on Audible, and you know, I do I have a lot of windshield time, like a lot of these agents do. Man, I can I can wrap up with a book now. What about you, Bradley? Are you that way? Are you more to sit down and well, you've got ADD really bad. So <laughs> I do read books. I have a stack of books on my uh, end table on my couch. One of them's Billy's, and I don't ever read one start to finish. I guess that goes back to a little ADD. I'll read three or four chapters of this one. I'll kind of think about it for a few days. I'll read three or four chapters of this one, that sort of thing. I do do the Audible thing too. Here's the problem I have with Audible. I would love to do Audible because I listen to podcasts and music and that sort of thing. If the author is not reading it. Hard for you to. I have a really hard time even enjoying listening to it. Right. Because it's this monotone, you know. What if the author. And then Billy said to do that. You know, I I can't. So if the author. And so obviously if you guys have an audible subscription, the percentage of time the author reads it, I would say is less than 10%. Um, and you can tell that person just really doesn't care about the subject. In fact, I didn't buy David Goggins book on audible because it's him and somebody else. And I was like, eh, I'm not, uh, you know, so, well, I'm open. I, if you want me to read it, I can promise you, I won't be monotone. <laughs> I would, I would listen to something like that. Yeah. You got to worry about I, that with me. Yeah. I think there's a lot too with, with books where a lot of them, there's a lot of theory stuff and it's like, I, I can't get into that, but what I do like, and this is the purpose of this book was to be strategic. There's strategies where I can read this and I can go. And at the end of each chapter, it says to get started, this is what you do. Step one, step two, step three, step four. And you are able to then change your business. I love books like that where I'm like, oh, I'm changing the way that I'm operating and I'm making things better because I read this. And right. sometimes books that talk about theory, I, I just can't get into it because there's like one or two ideas in that whole book. And I got to read the whole thing just to get that. Well, mm-hmm. I'm definitely buying it. In fact, I was going to buy it and I ran out of time before we got on this podcast, but I'll buy it this, this afternoon. Justin Miller in my office has already got his copy. And the only reason I know that is he posted it on Facebook with him holding it. So appreciate you being on the show as always, Billy. Guys, I hope y'all took notes because this was one hell of a podcast for insurance agents. And you know, Billy, anytime you want to come on, all you got to do is call, write, email, skywrite, whatever you want to do. We'll have you back on. Uh, and I can't wait to see you again soon. I hope we're going to be at a conference together real soon, too. I didn't get to spend enough time with you in Kansas City. I was real sick and I didn't feel good. But uh, I hope next time we get to spend more time together. Uh, Bradley, you got anything else before I let this thing go? No, sir. As I end every episode, guys, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out there behind that desk today and go out into the big, bad world. Go get better today. Billy said it. I say it all the time at the end of every podcast. Happiness equals getting better, doing more, raising the bar, improving yourself. Don't listen to me. Tony Robbins says that. That's a Tony Robbins thing. You are not going to find happiness unless you improve yourself in some area. Okay? End of story. Go make money for your family. Figure out what your why is. Go make money for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund, for your parents out there that are struggling. Go make money for them. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Billy. Thanks, guys. Billy, I love you too. Come back anytime. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family. We'll see you back here real soon. Take care. 
Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.